From the Finley Toyota Studio, it's Cofield and Company. Schmidt swings and misses. Stone with the puck. Stone out. He's got Brett Howden. Howden into the zone. He shoots. He scores! Howden finishes. his off. Second of the day for two nights. 16 seconds to play. It's time for Cofield and Company with Steve Cofield on ESPN Las Vegas. Here we go, Cofield and Company here on a Tuesday, special day at the uh, Battleborn Broadcast Center. Willie Ramirez is here with us as we have a big show on the way. George Foreman's going to join us a little later on about his movie. Um, I don't know if he's actually in the movie. We didn't ask him, but we had a conversation with George the other day, so we're going to play that for you. A lot of EGK, a lot of NBA. The draft is right around the corner. Last night was a crazy night in sports, Willie. Uh, right now, I turned on our TV here, and I was just watching the replay of the end of the San Fran-St. Louis game, which I think for Alex Cobb was his first complete game shutout in like 11 years. It was one of the longest gaps ever in baseball history from you know one uh, complete game shutout to another. I didn't even get to. I was kind of following the Las Vegas A's game against the Angels and the craziness of that because there was a, a granny robbed late, and uh, the A's wound up winning that. We're going to get to that in a couple minutes, but – Last night was a sports fan's dream, especially out here, because we have a ton of Lakers fans in Vegas. We know a lot of you guys are Vegas Golden Knights fans, and those games were kind of going on at the same time. The Knights game ends. You can turn on the Lakers game. Then you could turn on the Kraken and the Avs. Last night was loads of fun. Awesome. Yeah, and, and it wasn't just the fact that, you know, the proximity – of the games and the teams and and the locale, it, it was all around action from start to finish. Um, because obvi- obviously, since the Golden Knights got here, I think the hockey intensity has picked up. If if you're already a hockey fan, obviously you're paying attention. You know how special the hockey playoffs are. The Maple Leafs Lightning series has been absolutely incredible with the overtime games, the the comebacks that that we're seeing. Once again, Toronto goes into Tampa Bay, comes from behind, goes into overtime, and now they're up 3-1 with the series going back to Toronto. This is a team that that in Toronto, they have become used to heartbreak Mm -hmm. and disappointing bow-outs, and now they're on the brink of um, eliminating the three-time East defending Eastern Conference champ. So it starts off early in the day, right? New Jersey goes into Madison Square Garden, beats the Rangers, Toronto and Tampa. And then, as you said, late Vegas and Winnipeg, then Colorado and Seattle. Not a lot of people out there. You and I talked about it at the start of the playoffs. Not a lot of people out there gave Seattle a chance to win one game, let alone now it's a best of three. Baseball games, some great action in baseball. And then, of course, the NBA. What a game with the Bucks and the Heat, Jimmy Butler, and then as you mentioned, finishes up Lakers and LeBron. Uh, Lakers last night were that was a great game. It was a great game. It was weird down the stretch. I forget who was on the game. It was uh, maybe I think it was the Hedgehog. Was SVG on the game? I can't remember. Uh, but the color voice is like, wait, this is weird. Last three minutes here, why are they sort of not going through LeBron? Like they're going through Hachimura. Dennis Schroeder's getting the ball a lot. D'Angelo Russell, especially, which was a good thing. Russell hit some big threes, but then, you know, he's kind of a, a guy who's runs a little hot and cold. 
Mm-hmm. And he started running cold and was like, get him off the floor. And then he, he helped out the Lakers by just fouling out. But that was at that point, it was still an even game and it was LeBron time. And we'll play a couple of LeBron highlights here. And uh, there's some folks up on TikTok who are doing some funny, you know, little quickie cartoons. But uh, LeBron against Dylan Brooks, Le- uh, LeBron going right at JJJ. This was awesome. It was fun. And uh, I, I don't know. I was fired up, man. 38-year-old LeBron James getting downhill. People still can't stop him. James down there waiting for him. Morant, oh my goodness. That's a foul. Morant trying to jump over LeBron James. You still think I'm old? No, Mr. James. Now who's your daddy? You're my daddy. That's right. Get out of here. <laughs> and tell your Mark-ass teammates if they want some, they can get it too. Brody, let's go. You think it's cool beating up high school kids? No. Lakers down two. James off the window. It goes. What a basket by James. Timeout Memphis. We're tied at 104. And then in overtime, Memphis ran out of gas. Uh, Lakers got up quick. I think it was by four. They get another possession. You see the veteran leadership of LeBron. They come up the floor instead of rushing something. Let's pull it out. Calm down. They finish him off. Uh, the highlight you heard one was LeBron James taking a charge from John Morant, which, you know, when you look at it, LeBron's like 6'9", 260, John Morant dripping wet is like 180 pounds. But it was the fact that John Morant came in all recklessly and almost tried to jump over him, as the announcer said, Brian Anderson on TNT. And listen, we're seeing a playoffs here, Willie, where the Bucks are in jeopardy because Greek Freak is hurt. The Kings' chances are almost dead unless they get a miracle here. And this finger injury on his shooting hand isn't as bad as, you know, initially reported with the Aaron Fox. There are players who are beat up all around the NBA playoffs. LeBron needs to stay healthy for him to take a charge where a guy's coming in completely out of control. And when LeBron hit the floor, I thought his head hit the floor. And I'll repeat it again. It's not a gigantic human being crashing into him, but no one likes to have to freaking slam yourself to the floor. And LeBron was, he was so fired up. I think adrenaline was rushing. He got right up and he's like, all right, let's go. Ball goes the other way. The layup at the end of regulation was that is Vince's LeBron. He's got Brooks on him. Actually, no, he had Tillman on him. Tillman, a much younger guy. What is Tillman? 14 years younger. Turns the corner on him. And then you have the defensive player of the year in Jaron Jackson Jr. who comes over and LeBron can't go in and dunk. He can't go in and go right to the glass. He's got a freaking lofted up way up on the glass. And then ting, ting, ting. And it goes in. I thought that was that was a vintage night for LeBron James, and that's why I'm a LeBron James fan. That's why I've grown to appreciate him even more over the years because he is still doing this, and I think we take it for granted. This age in the NBA, for all you know, you folks out there who are like the glory days, '80s were so much better. The '90s were so much better. You know how many 38 year olds were playing really well, like putting up a 2020. This guy's a behemoth. He's awesome. Did you, he, got, he got the job done last night. Did you know that that was the first 2020 game of his 20-year career? I would have never thought that. I didn't realize that when I heard that. Um, and you're right. It's uh, it's something that you know we have to come to appreciate. It's I am not necessarily a big the whole load management fan, you know, especially when you see what these hockey players go through, right? But I will tell you this. You look at the injuries and the ages of the guys that are suffering the injuries, and I'm not saying that these aren't legitimate injuries, but with the wear and tear in this particular series and the bumps and the bruises, 
LeBron and AD are, are holding it down. I, I don't know whether to, you know to credit how they've managed their time down the stretch or if it's just that they've yet to catch a shot other than LeBron catching one in the nether region. I think it's luck of the draw, but I know Von Tobel mentioned it the other day about you know Kawhi Leonard's he's probably done. For these playoffs, they're facing elimination tonight. Right. He's not playing and he load managed and it in the end he still wound up getting jacked up and hurting himself, whether he was still injured or, you know, a new injury. He's hurt. Giannis is hurt. We got Fox. I mean, Fox is under 25 years old, and he just happened to freaking, you know, he's trying to play defense and swipes his hand the wrong way and, you know, knocks it against the uh, the big four GSW. So now that series is in jeopardy. But uh, I don't know what I want the Lakers to do. I kind of scoffed early in the week and late last week, you know, that they had a chance to win the title. I don't know. Maybe they do. The surrounding cast, actually, I'll tell you, Austin Reeves made a shot late. I think it was in regulation where I was like, I don't even know what he did with his footwork, how the hell he got to the glass. But uh, he made a big shot. AD didn't score, but he scored late when it counted. Also had a big block shot of Dylan Brooks. Hachimura has been big. You know, we mentioned Russell. Maybe they got a fighting chance, especially since this whole thing seems to come down to the war of attrition now. Who's going to have the most healthy bodies I'm going to get to a who. conference final and get to the title. I'm going to tell you who, because nobody ever thinks of this team, talks about this team, because all they do is talk about the teams that have the big names, the Warriors, the defending champs, Steph, Clay, uh, Ja Morant with Memphis and all their hoopla and off the court issues, the Lakers with LeBron. Has it anybody, does everybody seem to forget who's maintained the number one spot in the West the entire time and is getting it done? The Denver Nuggets have as good a chance, if not anybody else, above in both conferences. And you know what? When it coming down the stretch of the regular season, I was like, yeah, well, Denver, that's great, but still, they got to go through the Eastern Conference. Uh, no, they don't. I mean, meaning they can get through it. They have consistently played their game, not wavered, and they're the top seed. So They get no respect. But no, because they've never, made, they've never made the big run. I don't think they've ever been healthy enough to make the big run but they seem like more of a regular season team. And they did stub their toe a little bit. Can they get out of the series without any more wear and tear? That'd be nice. That game goes down tonight at 6 o'clock. Atlanta-Boston is 4.30, and then the Clippers trying to stay alive. A lot of uh, big numbers. Against Phoenix, 7 o'clock. Yeah, Boston 13, Denver 10, Phoenix 12.5. Which, at, out of the three, out of three, I'm not going to say which dog. I'd rather say which favorite. Do you I like there's one favorite I feel you can you can I feel you could put the bank on. The other the other two, I I I'm not chancing it. I I'd I'd probably would rather have the points, but I know which doll I I know which favorite I would lay my money on. That's the Phoenix Suns. Without Paul George, without Kawhi Leonard, Phoenix Suns with their big three at home, coming back, icing it. I like the Suns. Coming up, let's get into the Vegas Golden Knights game. Really good win. Really good second period. Held on in the third. Good goaltending by Brossois, in spite of the fact that he was facing chance of, you're a backup. Keep it locked right here. Cofield and company will return in minutes on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, Las Vegas A's. Getting the job done. We'll have an update in about 10 minutes on what happened with the A's yesterday. You hear two of the five home runs. They get a win 11-10 against the Angels. But Golden Knights win last night. Take control of the series at 3-1. 
I thought the third period was a little conservative, but you know, you go into the defensive shell, just make sure that you don't lose the game with any silly mistakes. I thought really good play from Wild Bill. I like the way Stevenson played. Obviously, Eichel had his moments, but maybe Eichel's strength in the game was more about what he was able to draw in terms of penalties. That helped. He's drawn a couple of key ones this right? series, in the series, yes. So what do you think? I just think that the Golden Knights are finding ways to win. I wrote this column for the Sporting Tribune after the Game 3 win in Winnipeg in the fact that the similarity between this team and the team that went to the Stanley Cup final was that it finds ways to win. It's resilient. And there's so many knocks about, you know, well, they had a they had a two-goal lead. They had a three-goal lead. The Winnipeg came back. The, the one where, you know, went to overtime and they, they were up by three goals and they let it slip away. Let's not forget that these are the playoffs. Winnipeg's not just going to lay down. They have quality veteran forwards. Right, I mean, right. they have they have the a Vesna Trophy candidate, easily one of the top five goaltenders in the league this year, in Connor Hellebuck. Now we're going to talk about some things throughout this show, and I'm going to save my goalie talk. But Winnipeg just it doesn't surprise me that Winnipeg's going to fight all sixty minutes. Rick Bonus is not remember he coached the Dallas Stars in the bubble when they eliminate or the that year when they yeah in the bubble year when they eliminated the golden knights in the western conference final so a lot of the same components a lot of same i mean there's new faces bottom line is this team is finding ways to win they're doing the little things that need to be done in the little areas and that is what's key with this team right now. So that's what I'm impressed with. It's not a matter of just coming out, firepower, score, 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 power play goal, penalty kick. There's also the little things, right? Drawing the fouls, like you said, clogging the neutral zone, slowing things down, making things difficult on Winnipeg, and then being resilient in the third period, holding them off. They're I doing thought, the I right things. Were, I thought they were resilient in the first, too, because we know, you know, Winnipeg – I think that crowd's mostly quiet. They sit on their hands. But when they do get fired up, it gets really loud in there. And you heard during the game, the announce team was like, hey, you know, keep this crowd at bay in the first period. So when they scored first, it was like, all right, got to respond pretty quickly. Keep the crowd quiet. They did. And the guy I didn't mention, because I mentioned Stevenson, who I think looks like the fastest guy out there. Uh, Wild Bill just works. He yeah. just works and works and works. And then Howden. Howden, I thought from a speed standpoint, he just looked faster than a lot of the players on the other side. And and here's the, the other thing. The depth, you can see it paying off with how deep this team is because the other side now, the peg, you lost Shifley last night. Morrissey is out for the series. Right. You know, they were kind of beat up coming in, and they're starting to lose more and more of their players. Did you watch – which broadcast did you watch? I watched the National. Oh, okay. I watched uh, AT&T. So I listened to the local guys. I don't do much searching. Whatever pops up on my, my I didn't realize my TV app is what I. Well, watch. here's the thing: I didn't realize that they would be allowed to do that. And I had dinner with my mother and stepfather last night over at their house, and we were watching the pregame. We were watching actually that show Nightlife, which this week is actually really good. They did a segment, by the way, at Stitched, the tailoring place. So of course, you know, I was all into that. Uh, and I didn't realize that they were broadcasting on both. So when I got home to watch the game and sit down and sort of study, you know, pay attention to it, if I watch it over there, then I kind of get distracted. Um, yeah, I just turned on the local guys. 
because you're kind of more in tune with what they're you know they're it's not that the national guys don't know what they're talking about but they're feeding off of what you know what they're reading the pregame you know when you do your pregame stuff when you're doing sideline right you have your pre uh pre-production meeting uh or your production meeting pregame that's what these guys are doing uh dave gocher shane knighty they obviously know the team so i like listening to them yeah, when i was watching mike monaco who we had on a couple weeks ago from yeah. espn he did a real good job on the the play-by-play, and uh, I think it was Leah Hextall. I get all the games. They're all good. Yeah, They're Leah all Hextall good. was doing uh, the rink side, so she was very good as well. So we mentioned some of the heroes. Hmm. And let's talk about Brassois because okay. the crowd was chanting on him, you're a backup. Oh, is that right? Is uh, that right? Because while Hellebuck did have a really good game at times, uh, they did get to him. Now, the fourth goal was an empty netter, so Hellebuck's not out there, but Brassois, do we want to give Brassois enough credit by saying he's out dueling the guy that he played behind? Or do we want to go with the, the sometimes lame excuse like, oh, well, he's not facing a lot of quality shots because the defense is so good in front of him. I thought he faced some quality shots last night. Really? Yes. Because uh, I thought he did, yes. If that's what they're arguing, because he's faced well, 100, no, 100, no, 120. No there. That's what I used to hear all the time with Robin Leonard. The person that, you have to consider the source on Robin Leonard, who was trying to, uh, I'm sorry, I, on when it was Leonard and Flurry, you know, Flurry wasn't facing the barrage that Leonard would, the quality of shots. Right. But they also, we asked them that question about when they were playing like that. And there's, you have to play differently in front of the goaltenders. You don't play the same exact, you don't play, the goalie doesn't adjust to you. You adjust to the goaltender that's back there. Flurry was, plays a different style. One guy's going to go down into a different, you know, into the butterfly. One's going to, everybody plays differently. So you adjust to how that goaltender plays. Flurry, a guy who's more, right, you, you see the acrobatic, the windmill, the flopping all over the place, the coming out of the net. Leonard stays back. So those guys play differently. They're going to be attacked differently. Uh, the LA Kings, Corpusalo has faced 158 shots. After that, the range is between 135 and 123 down to Laurent Brassois. So as far as shot attempts faced, Brassois in the playoffs, save percentage, 902. Goals against average is sitting right now at, where are you at? Brassois, 2.75. Connor Hellebuck, 3.21. His save percentage is 895, which is 15th out of 22 goaltenders that have made at least one start. Now, among goaltenders that have made four starts, at, at least four starts, or, well, at least three, he is one, two, three, fourth worst in the league. Surprisingly, the lowest one is Andre Vasilevsky, and right below, uh, right in front of him, Sansonov from Toronto. But those, guys, those two teams have been playing high-scoring games because that's what they do. Point is, he has been outplaying Connor Hellebuck because the Golden Knights are up three to one. Winnipeg attacks the way that they attack. It, it's all a matter of being prepared to face the attack that you're facing. High danger chances, that's what you really want to look at. Okay? Guess what? In this series, head-to-head, they each have 33 high danger chances. 33 apiece. High, dan high danger chances goals for. Golden Knights have eight. High danger chances goals against. He's let three in. That's not too shabby. Three out of 33 high-danger chances for the Winnipeg Jets. That's pretty damn good. 
I'd say Laurent Brassois has stepped up and, and become a, a, a bona fide playoff goalie. Miss any of the show? We've got you covered. Head to lvsportsnetwork.com and go to podcasts to listen to all of your favorite LV Sports Network shows anytime from any place. There you go, FS1 and Kevin Kugler on the call as the A's win it 11-10 to in 10. Didn't look good for a while, even though they got out to a big lead with five home runs, but the A's get the job done. Willie, our Las Vegas A's are now 5-18 and on the year and are officially not the worst team in baseball by themselves. So they're tied with the Royals, who are dreadful as well. But things are looking up. Things are looking up. The young guys are coming up. Uh, Diaz is up. Infielder, one of their top five prospects. One of their uh, other top five prospects. Getting some help from a pitching standpoint with the starter today. So things are looking up. You see how we're raving about the team that, that, that and how they, you know, but you know what, you know what we're not talking about? How they were up six, nothing and blew the lead. Don't worry about that. Right. Exactly. Just like that's how, exactly, exactly how we should be doing with the Golden Knights. A win's a win. And and I'm not referring to them as the Oakland A's. You know, that's completely different though. Oh no. You know, the standard set here, if the A's get to 60 wins, this is a triumphant season. If EGK doesn't make the Stanley Cup final, the way people look at it is the season's a failure. It's a failure. It is. The team formerly known as the Oakland Ace. The owners. Is, yeah. as, as I look at it. The owners also have different expectations. John Fisher has set it up. He has no expectations, nor should the fans. Bill Curren- Foley. Currently in Oakland, and Bill Foley's like, eh, let's go. No, well, you don't get it done in two years, you're fired as a coach. Well, not only that, but let's not forget what he said when they first granted him the team. Playoffs in three, cup in six. Those are his words. Yep. This is six. Been a little accelerated. Slightly. Got to pick it up. We're on their third coach. Let's go. Is that the way we're looking at it? Absolutely. It's a pretty good run. Five or six years in the playoffs, and they have a chance here to get out of this series. They're up 3-1 against Winnipeg. So we had Dave Cavill on at the end of the week last week. He's the ace president. He's been making the rounds, local and out-of-market interviews, including a lot of sort of exit interviews mm. in Oakland. And he's had some different messages for in-market and out of market. And I know you wanted to get into what changing the name, rebranding the team kind of, I know Ace fans, hardcore Ace fans hate this, but getting rid of the stink of the recent years by just coming up with something that's more Vegas and not remembering what the A's have been the last couple of years. So you want to change the name? Uh, it, yeah, but it has nothing to do with Vegas, but I do have, I'm ready. You ready uh, for this? Uh, well, Here's Cavill last week when we asked him, like, hey, how about get rid of the A's name? Why don't you go with something else? No, we're sticking with the name. I mean, we're a charter member of the American League 1901. So we go way back. We've been in three markets already. And um, there's something about that A with the apostrophe and the hat. It's just so iconic. And uh, we're really excited to bring that to Las Vegas. And Las Vegas A's has a nice kind of ring to it. Willie, you can't get rid of that, man. You can't get rid of that. Cavill says you can't get rid of it. Goes, disagree. goes back to the beginning of the uh, 20th century. Yeah, I, I disagree. Because the image and the brand that you have built over the last, that you have sabotaged over the last couple of years in being cheap and not spending money and just completely tanking and looking like crap, you're bringing that to our town. And I have something much stronger, much more powerful. goes back to Greek days, Greek mythology days. Are you ready? So... A zephyr, Steve, is a breeze from the west. It comes from the Greek god Zephyrus of the west wind. Okay, Zephyrus, depicted in classical art as a handsome winged youth. In myth, Zephyrus was a rival of the god Apollon for the love of 
Hyacinthus. One day he spied the pair playing a game of quoits in a meadow. In a jealous rage, he blew the disc off course with a gust of wind, causing it to strike the boy in the head, killing him instantly. Now, we have some strong winds in this city. We've seen some incredible dust storms. So what I give you is the Las Vegas Zephyrs. And for short, the complete opposite of their predecessor, the Vegas Zs. We go from A to Z. The Las Vegas Zephyrs or the Vegas Zephyrs, the Zs. We put a Z up there. We make it iconic. And just like your hat that you're wearing right now, we go black with white and a gray trim. Why? We got the Raiders. Colors, too. Now we have the Vegas Zephyrs, but the Zs. And black. Are you going to tie yourself to the Raiders a little bit? Wow. Okay. So from A to Z. Complete opposite. There you go. There's the rebrand. The breeze from the the west wind. We're in the west, the strong wind. We have those summer winds, the summer wind. That could be played as Frank Sinatra, a little summer wind. That's it. I've done it. Where'd you come up with this? Where where, where were you doing? Was this during a heavy lift? No. This is when you were overhydrating. You got a little loopy. So, so I actually like it. Someone said it. I like the Zephyr's name and I like the Z's. Yeah. I think it would work. There's a New Orleans Zephyrs. Not anymore. Oh, not anymore. So there you go. And that's what I was thinking. They rebranded uh, They're the Baby Cakes. That we definitely need it. Yeah. We definitely need so it. So now the name's available. I would love something unique. I mean, in the pecking order of what I want, I'd want uh, the Rays to move here, one, ready-made, good organization. You start throwing money into the thing, forget it. You're talking world champions almost out of the gates. V-Rays. Uh, and you could well, the Rays in Vegas, that would be interesting. It's, I guess the, it the, flows. the rays of the sun. Yeah, Vegas rays. Sure. The V rays. Um, then if there's two expansion teams, I'll take expansion team two or expansion team three, and then the A's would be my last choice. But I don't think we're going to have a choice in this one. We're not the power brokers. No. Um, and for like hoodies, I've already pictured like the hoodies. You got the Greek god blowing the wind. Now, let me correct that. So four, <laughs> we get the Zephyrs. Yes. I, I'm supposed to be with you on this. We get the Zephyrs. Well, you like we get, it. We don't, we don't get a new team, but we get a new branded team. It's, and sorry that this goes all the way back to, uh, I don't know, Connie Mack. Yeah. But unfortunately, the stench that's of it, what's been going on the last few years, we we can't have that come to Vegas. That's not a good vibe. Yeah. I, it's it's very rare when someone comes, like the, in this type of thing, when I pitched this and said, let me have a little, give me the floor, but that you, you, you will find the contrarian way to, to, and, and as I'm saying it just now, I'm watching your face. You're impressed a little bit. I, I put some thought into it. I think you liked it. Okay. Do we look at this glass half full or glass <laughs> half empty? <laughs> it doesn't matter. I mean, glass half empty is, do you believe I expect that little of you? That when you come up with a big name pitch and rebranding, that I was just walking in here like, boy, this is going to be horrendous. No, 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 no. And I wasn't. I wasn't. I expected something good, and I actually creative. I'm, yeah, I'm, creative. Uh, I'll give that a seven. Yeah, that's I'll a pretty high it. score. I'll take it. Yeah, pretty high score. Seven. I think okay, I... Your, your other idea. What? So we've been discussing a tax district because the notion from the A's is, hey, fifteen and Trop, there won't be anything there of value unless yeah. we come and build. A stadium, so yes. we're coming, so we need a special tax district. We don't believe that's the case. That is a very valuable 100 acres of land, and something really cool would go up there if it's not a stadium, especially once the roads are done. That's kind of the problem there, and you know they've knocked down Wild Wild West. By the way, I saw Cats reference 
what, what did he call it? The triple dub? He referenced the Wild Wild West property, or as some locals call it, the triple dub. I got to look this up. Well, that makes sense. No, it doesn't. Why not? As some, re- as some locals reference, what locals? Well, I don't know. Well, that's what my point. If you're just going to say, you're going to throw something random out there, and you're like, oh, yeah, locals call it that. Like, do they? Well, he's on the scene. He's out there in the street. Is he he's, on got, the scene he's, or he's, not? Got, he's got the vibe. He's, he's got to tell you which locals. Oh, Wild Wild West property, sometimes referred to as the Tri Dub. Tri Dub. By locals. Sure. I've never heard the Tri Dub. Okay. Well, it doesn't, just because you haven't well, don't heard. Don't just make stuff up. He, how do you know? <laughs> okay. He's got to come on. Now we got right, to get, get him on the I show. Need a, I need three people to, to tell right, me that they call that the Tri Dub. We need, we need cats on. So, tri-dub. Tax District. And now Willie's come up with an idea. All right. If we don't like that, no. Let's go with a vice tax. So what vice tax are we going to go after? What thing do I like that you're now going to make me pay for so I'm paying for the stadium? Because I have a lot of vices. Yeah. Well, I still think that we need to tap into uh, somewhere or another sports betting. I, I don't know how. I don't know what. But I think I – think <laughs> Don't, that, you, I, don't I, you dare suggest that we raise, no, the, no, not raise the, the fee. No juice. Our great gambling no, no, not over the ju- six and a half percent tax. No, no juice. Can't go higher than that. No juice and no extra juice, no extra vig. Oh, but, no, not to the player. But – No, oh, this has got to be on the this, businesses. Right. They're not going to go for that. Actually, you suggesting that will kill the deal. <laughs> but they may even <laughs> they may even threaten Lotus to say with no advertising, no, 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 get no, Willie no, off that, the show. No, that won't be it. But, uh, if, but if you lead the charge. Are you going to explain why you brought this up? Yes, I, this was a, to it. I cannot believe I saw this. I just, I just said. I cannot believe I saw this. You want to come up with a vice tax. You want to come up uh, with a tax that punishes people who lack I was, self-control. I was being, Fatty first, of, like first of all, I was being facetious when I said, oh, no, I was like, like, okay, what are we going to come up with? Because I think this is ridiculous oh, in Seattle. Oh, I thought you were going for it. No. I was stunned when Tell I saw this tweet. Hmm? Tell people what it is. There is a sugar drink tax mm-hmm. in Seattle. I saw this tweet. Soft drinks. Coca-Cola, Sprite, Diet Coke, root beer, Minute Maid lemonade. Small two dollars, medium two thirty, large two fifty. Then underneath, there's a disclaimer: Seattle's sugar drink tax will be added to all non-diet sodas. Small and extra seventeen cents. Non-diet. Per- yeah. Well, there's no sugar. This is a city that has. A- I think you should get double the penalty. This for is a this diet. is a Diet's city terrible. that has a gum wall full of sugar. You walk up, you stick your gum on the wall. Are we going to tax all sugar? How much sugar is in food, so, though? Well, it's a sugar drink tax. Right, just just drinks. Okay, so we're taxing coffees, right? With all the junk in coffees? Yeah, you right? have to, right? All, all the, the sugary nonsense that goes in there? Seattle, I don't drink that Se- stuff. Se- you you pay. Seattle's best coffee, Starbucks. You, know you got it? Right. I will I will do my I – I drink almost no soda. I will do my part on the, the sugar tax. If they're going to go after coffee houses and all these fancy coffee drinks, let's do it. Do you think people would – would they even care? These companies no, not, between Starbucks not, and Dutch Bros no, and, no. and whoever else, no, no, like the, the, would it matter to people if it was like seventy? Like you could, so you could tax them no. seven. Well, not well. I don't know what another fifteen cents on a dollar. No, and they wouldn't know. There, what's the difference? You're paying no. somewhere between five and eleven dollars for a sweet coffee or tea drink. It's not just Jordan. Tax them. It's not just my son Jordan. I personal trainers have used this in a in the past as part of their 
where the people go, I can't really afford it. Go, okay, but I've seen your Instagram story. Or I've seen this. I've seen this. You stop at Starbucks every single day, and the drink that you're putting up there costs between six and eight dollars. So if you go to work five times, that's forty bucks times four weeks. Yep. That's one hundred and sixty dollars. You can afford a hundred dollars for a person. And by trainer. the way, there's a tax the other way. If the person at the drive-through speaks to you for more than 15 seconds, every five seconds is another tax. There's some kind of, we'll have an elevated tax rate because I hear a lot of people complain about that. Keep it locked right here. Cofield and company will return in minutes on ESPN Las Vegas. All right, rolling on. We got a big event coming up this week here in town involving the Las Vegas lights. Very interesting situation though with the lights because of the Vipers. So their, uh, their home has been away from home for a little bit. And, uh, one of the dudes who's on the team is going to tell us all about the uh, Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup and uh, also the chance to play an MLS team, as we have uh, Lucas Stoffer is in with Willie and Cofield. How are you, sir? It's going well. How are you all? Uh, we're good. We're good. So tell us all about this event because this is a pretty cool step up for you guys. Yeah, man. It's a, it's a, the U.S. Open Cup is an event that involves every semi-pro and professional team in the United States. And round after round, it gets smaller and smaller. And we took care of business against the L.A. Force a couple weeks ago. And it came out. The draw came out, I think, last week or week before last. And we drew an MLS team. So it's an unbelievable opportunity for us to show what we can do and first home game it's probably the biggest game in uh las vegas lights history yeah and if i'm not mistaken the lights have been involved in this for the last several years right they, they played annually in this because if i'm not mistaken i believe i got an assignment for this a couple of years back for, for, yeah. for a national site so so this is like a major deal this is beyond because for exposure too right Oh, man, absolutely. You know, this is a huge event. Um, every country that has professional soccer um, has some sort of tournament like this, and people go nuts for it. It's an unbelievable opportunity for both teams. It's like a David versus Goliath um, setup. And, yeah, like you said, it's, it's yeah. an awesome, awesome opportunity. Once again, we're talking to Las Vegas Lights player Lucas Stoffer here on Cofield and Company, ESPN Las Vegas. I want to talk to real quick about your you personally in your career. I, yeah. found, I I'm reading some stories here of your past, <laughs> and I find it interesting. So you were the first futsal, I believe it's pronounced, I, I want to say futsal, yeah. U.S. national team player. But for those that aren't aware, like this is soccer on a hard court. Like I, I, yeah, I, you know, sometimes for 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 someone who has uh, knee issues, and I'm watching you guys make cuts on grass. How do you play on a hard court? <laughs> well, it's actually more giving than what you than what you think. But uh, yeah, it's a five aside game that's played on a court a little bit bigger than a basketball court and with a little bit heavier ball, smaller ball. But yeah, man, it's uh, a lot. A lot of world players have started or started with futsal um, before even ever touching grass. So, so in in winding up to kick a heavier ball, has that does that help your power in kicking a regular soccer ball? 
I don't think that, but it's, you know, so I, I'm from Owensboro, Kentucky, and my dad has grown his business with training kids through futsal, and it's unbelievable for the coordination of players because, man, the ball, I mean, imagine a soccer ball rolling on a, rolling on a like, tile floor. It's so quick, right. so, like, the coordination and the quickness just naturally comes from playing futsal. Game is coming up uh, tomorrow. $20 for all tickets. Kickoff at 7 o'clock. And again, we repeat the fact that you guys have not played at Cashman Field. So, by, by the way, what do you expect the field to look like after uh, traditional American football has been on it? Yeah, so we were a little bit skeptical. Um, today was actually our first day in Cashman. And, man, the, the people that took care of it did an unbelievable job. The field looks awesome. Um, everything's clean. We were welcomed with open arms. It's going to be a really good night tomorrow night. How do you approach a game like this? Because I can't imagine you look at it like, these guys are so much better than me. Uh, and what do we know about uh, this? the MLS squad, Real Salt Lake? But from a motivation standpoint, you got to believe you can play with these guys. Absolutely. You know, and that's, that's why the cup or every cup competition is so interesting because you have a lot of guys that are proving a point. I mean – they're a division higher than we are. We want to be playing where they're at. We want to prove that we belong on the same field as them. And we do. We, we totally believe that we can come in and, and win, especially at home in front of an awesome crowd, in front of an electric atmosphere. We definitely look at it as an opportunity to show ourselves and say, look, I'm here. Lamar Hunt, U.S. Open Cup going down tomorrow as the lights are back in town, our Las Vegas lights getting to play at Cashman after an extended absence from the stadium with the uh, XFL Vipers playing there. Um, you sound like you're happy to be back in Vegas. What was it like playing in Germany mm-hmm. for so long? Yeah, so I, I played in Germany all of three years. Um, due to some family stuff, I wanted to make a transition back to the United States, and as soon as the lights called me. I was absolutely 100% on board with, with their project from the coaches and then the front office as well. So, um, it was, it was funny. My first professional game was actually in Las Vegas against the lights with, uh, the Vancouver Whitecaps. So it's kind of like a full circle thing for me. So it's a very special opportunity and to be in front of the people that I love and care about and be more accessible to them. It's, it's an awesome pleasure. So, Luke, real, real quick here. The, uh, so, I guess in some MLS news, uh, the commissioner, Don Garber, says that the league's hoping to get to 30 teams by the end of the year. Um, no concrete plans to expand beyond that. Thinks the league could get to 32, but an ownership group in mm-hmm. San Diego is definitely making a push. A hurdle for Vegas would be to build a covered stadium, um, could be more expensive. But, and I know this is your first year with the lights, but from what you've seen, what you know, like it, as big as Vegas has grown as a pro sports, can you see the MLS grow into Las Vegas? Man, there's no better place for it. This is the entertainment capital of the world. The city has so many different dynamics that I think whether it's this year or in a couple of years, Vegas will 100% have an MLS team. I think that this market soccer wise is right for the picking. I think that this is a, a pretty safe bet that an MLS team would come in and do very, very well. Um, I mean, we've seen the, the fans at Cashman. We've seen the fans for the lights. Um, 
I think it would be an unbelievable opportunity for the city and definitely a great opportunity for MLS. Lucas, we appreciate it. Good luck in the game tomorrow, and thanks for carving out a few minutes for us. Yeah, thank you for having me. Anytime. There he is, Lucas Stoffer. Tomorrow night, lights back in town as part of the Lamar Hunt U.S. Open Cup. They'll be playing the MLS squad, Real Salt Lake. Tickets are 20 bucks. That's all tickets are $20. Kickoff is 7 o'clock at Cashman Field. they got some special events coming up, like uh, Friday, May 5th. They've got the uh, largest Cinco de Mayo party in Vegas. They'll have luchadors, the wrestlers, actually performing throughout the soccer match. Uh, Brett's always got something cool going on down there. And then uh, special kickoff Sunday on the 7th. It's a family day. All kids come down onto the field after the game for autographs. So the lights are back. Cashman is back in uh, soccer form. And you got a big game going down tomorrow night. $20 tickets. Pretty cool. Your MLS question is really interesting. And we haven't looked into the MLS a whole lot. We've had conversations here and there, you know, especially the last time around they were trying to, um, you know, raise big money for a stadium down in the kind of in the arts district, right? We have never really gotten an answer on this league. If the teams actually make money, if it's worth investing in or where the owners actually make money is just to buy a team and eventually sell it. So the question of profitability for the MLS is front and center. And we've already talked about this with the A's, Willie. We really don't need to be picky anymore. I'm sorry. We, we don't have to be desperate anymore. We can be picky on what major league sports we bring to the market. So I guess if the full boat is covered on MLS by this Edens guy, yeah. you know, as part of the project down at the uh, you know south end of LV Boulevard, not always south, but across from the outlet mall there mm. by uh, Windmill and Blue Diamond. Yeah. You know, if an MLS stadium is going in there with a new NBA arena, then maybe there's something there. But in terms of some giant public interest in that one too, no. I mean, where does it end? No, we, we already have questions about the profitability of baseball yeah. and and then the affordability for our local fans. MLS, it's hard to get them to actually give you an answer. Uh, I don't think that... No, public funding, definitely not for this. But here's the thing. When, if you ask me what's going to turn a profit one, before one or the other, I'm thinking MLS before MLB. We've seen the turnouts when the exhibition games. There's a big soccer fan base in this town. You bring an MLS team, there's going to be a backing. I believe that. So I think soccer will turn a profit before Major League Baseball, especially the Las Vegas Zephyrs. Yeah, I do love what Don Garber's doing here, the head of the – MLS when he was talking to the uh, the AP media convention saying that, well, you know, San Diego looks pretty good because we don't know if Vegas is going to be able to build a, you know, the stadium like you, bro, you're not putting pressure on us. That's not the way this works anymore. Like, and I don't think anyone here is going to cave to get MLS in town. This is a, it's a little more of a competitive market in terms of what actually gets to come here.